In the book of Revelation so far, uh, we've, been seen, we've seen the power and purposes of God, his sovereignty over all things. We've looked at the judgments of God through the seals and the trumpets. We've seen God overcoming his enemies. We've seen how we should live passionate lives for Jesus who is, uh, uh, and to be conquerors through him. Yeah, sure, there's loads of mysteries that we don't understand in the book of Revelation. But the central theme in the book of Revelation is that Jesus is being revealed as Lord and as conqueror and as king on his throne. And today we'll see another aspect of who Jesus is and his, a particular work that he's done. And I've, in, I've entitled this message, End Time Harvest. And Charlie's going to come and read for us Where's Charlie? Charlie's going to come and read for us chapters 14 and 15 of Revelation. So if you'd like to turn to that in your Bibles, give Charlie a hand. Come on, encourage him. Yeah, Revelation chapter 14 and 15. Thank you, Charlie. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like a roar of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The, Lord, uh, the voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits from God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an internal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. These worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the um, commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours, for their deeds follow them. Then I looked up, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a, a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out the temple, calling with a loud voice to him, who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is finally ripe. So he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he said, and he too had a 
sharp sickle, and another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had a sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the grape winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plates, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sachets across their chest. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plates of the seven angels were finished. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. These two chapters bring us some familiar themes from other parts of the series that we've been looking at in Revelation. But I want to focus today particularly on um, three verses. Um, so we want, we're not going to look at the whole couple of chapters. And I just want to reread those to you. They're verse 14 of chapter 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest on the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Jesus is the reaper. John has a vision and sees one like the Son of Man, Jesus, on a cloud. And remember, much of the book of Revelation is about symbolism. So this white cloud is symbolic of Jesus' sinlessness, his absolute perfection, his holiness, and his purity. We've had this picture of Jesus on a cloud before in the book of Revelation. It happened in uh, chapter one. Behold, Jesus is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. You know, when we see Jesus in all his purity, in his sinless perfection, in all his glory, all his splendor, it'll take our breath away. We will wail out and cry. Both Luke and Matthew in their gospels say that all peoples will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. But did you note that Jesus was seated on the cloud in John's vision? 
To be seated is a place of authority. Kings are seated when they rule on their thrones. Our queen recently, when she opened parliament again, wore a crown which was called the imperial crown. And this crown was encrusted with up to 3,000 diamonds. She put on a robe, the robe of state, which weighs more than a stone. But most importantly, she sat and read the new government's speech. This isn't because, you know, mom now has, you know, shaky legs because she's 90 or anything like that. No, it's because she is in authority. She sits on the throne of authority. Jesus is now seated in John's vision on this cloud. But note he too had a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. So what do these two things mean to us? Jesus has a crown on his head which is the victor's crown. The crown of one who has conquered. Jesus no longer wears a crown of thorns. No longer wears the crown of mockery, suffering and torture but a crown of victory, the victory that he won at the cross. So here we have this tremendous picture of power and authority that is in Jesus coming on a cloud. And Jesus has a sharp sickle in his hand. This is a new image for us of who Jesus is. Previous images in scripture abound, don't they? He's the good shepherd, he's the bread of life, he's a servant king, he's a bridegroom, he's the true vine, he's the lamb of God. These are all pictures for us that help us understand who Jesus is. In the book of Revelation, we've seen other pictures of Jesus being the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the one who walks among the church, the one holding a sword, the one who opens and shuts doors the one who's seated on the throne, the one who is worthy of opening the scroll, the one riding on a horse, the lion and the lamb, which we sang about this morning. But here Jesus holds a sharp sickle. So in John's vision, Jesus is seen as the reaper. But you note it was a moving picture. An angel came from the temple, from the very throne room of God, An angel came from the presence of God with a message to Jesus. Use the sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come. The harvest is ripe. This raises a question. Why should an angel deliver a message to Jesus to begin reaping? Surely Jesus is reigning and ruling. He should decide when he should reap. But if you think back to the Gospels, Jesus himself said, no one knows the day or hour when he shall come. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man. Only the Father knows. So the angel calls and speaks to Jesus who has been sitting there ready, waiting on the cloud, waiting for the Father to speak. And now the angel says, it's time to reap. So Jesus swung the sickle, thrust the sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Got a visual aid for you this morning, which Joel is going to bring forward. I don't know whether it looks quite like this, but this is a farmer's sickle here. And maybe he would have seen something like this. 
And maybe, Joel, you just want to show us how you use a sickle? I, I cleared this for health and safety. Paul Tack was okay with this. We've got Grant, who's an ex-paramedic on hand, and a few nurses, and Hannah's got a bandage in her handbag. Yeah, this is a sickle. This is the image that John would have seen. Thank you, Joel. Give Joel a clap there. John the Baptist prophesied this at Jesus' baptism, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, meaning that Jesus will gather his disciples. He will gather his followers, his children to himself. So the reaping is a gathering of all those who love Jesus to be safe with him. These verses here give us a picture. They give us another revelation of who Jesus is. He is the reaper. He is the gatherer of the harvest. There's a time to sow and a time to plant. There's a time to water, a time to protect, a time to nurture, a time of growth. Also a time to reap and a time to harvest. Seasons are very important in life, aren't they? I want to just have a little bit of a digression here. You know, seasons of our life are so important. You know, children growing up. The teenage years are really important. Sometimes difficult years. And you know, the last time I remember it, the last time I walked out of school, life changed forever. I was glad to be leaving school, actually. But life changed forever. It's never the same when you leave school. That's a season in your life. Decisions uh, of life direction, another season in your life. Meeting a life partner, settling down, family life, midlife. They're all seasons in our life. There are seasons in our lives when people leave us. There are seasons when people join us. There are seasons of loss. There are seasons of change. There can be seasons of sickness and disability. And then there's end-of-life seasons. And I believe that we should celebrate all seasons in life. We should celebrate achievements. And it's my sister and brother-in-law's 40th wedding anniversary today, their ruby wedding anniversary. And I was with them last night, and my brother-in-law said to me, we've never had a crossword, you know, but we do do Sudoku and word search. I thought that was a great, uh, a great line. But everything changes in seasons in our lives, doesn't it? Things can um, be very different. I remember the day that my sister got married. Life changed in our family. Life changed for her. Life changed for our extended family forever. Seasons come and go. And I believe that we should embrace seasons in our life. And we should embrace those spiritual seasons in our life as well. You know, celebrating success is easy. But we also need to celebrate uh, and embrace those dry seasons, maybe those painful seasons, those seasons when we're exhausted, or seasons of persecution, or weeping, or failure, or trauma, or sickness. I believe that we're called to embrace every season in our life, to push into Jesus in every season in our life. We are encouraged in our, our worship this morning to go deeper into Jesus. So whatever life situation you are facing, push into Jesus, know him better in that season. We grow so much in those seasons and we learn to reign and conquer with him through the seasons of life. But back to Jesus being the reaper. 
Jesus is Lord of the harvest. Harvest is ready when wheat, barley and oats are fully grown, when the corn is dry and ripe and ready to be reaped and gathered in. I've been watching the fields. Some of the early wheat is, uh, is about ready to be harvested. The actual harvest time uh, can vary due to weather conditions and farmers have to decide uh, when the time is right to harvest. And today there's a lot of science that goes into farming techniques. Harvesting crops even a day or two early or late can affect the size and quality of the harvest and can dramatically affect outcomes and profitability. Although farming and harvesting methods have changed over the centuries, harvest essentially is about reaping and gathering and storing in barns or storing in some way. John's vision uh, maybe is of a, a one-time end harvest or it could be several harvests uh, before Jesus comes again. But whether it, this picture that we see here is a one-time event or not, what really matters is that Jesus is reaping and gathering his people into the safety of his barn. Of course, Jesus has been reaping and gathering his people, his church, since his ascension to heaven. And I believe this does give us a perspective on untimely and early deaths, which are very difficult uh, to cope with. The pain of loss of young and unexpected deaths can deeply affect us. But untimely deaths uh, of the redeemed, untimely deaths of Christians are in Jesus' hands because he knows the best time to gather people to himself. I saw this quite early on in my life when I was um, 20, a friend of mine here in Helsham, he was a good friend, we used to chat a lot, he was a Christian, he was, really, really passionate for God. And he was going to Bible college and he was returning on a Sunday night to Bible college and he died in a tragic car accident. And I had some questions. Why? He was such an evangelist. He was such a passionate man for God. Why at 21? But his time was ripe. But there's another aspect to harvest too. And I believe in an end time harvest. Harvest of people finding Jesus like we have never ever known before. I'm not just talking about revival. I don't think that's part of it. I believe in an end time harvest like we've never ever seen on this planet before. I believe that we will see a magnificent and triumphant church in the last days. I have a very positive view of the end times. Many Christians take a very pessimistic view of end times. You know, they see the church as declining, things getting worse and worse, tribulations and trials and awful things happening. And suddenly, you know, Jesus comes back and makes it all right again. And we can breathe a sigh of relief, you know, oh, he's got here in the nick of time, you know, as if Jesus wasn't in control. I do not share this view of the end times. Yes, we are warned of persecutions. We do need to be ready. There will be trials and there will be terrible things that happen on occasions. But I believe in an everlasting church of God that will increase. His kingdom is on the increase and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
You can say amen a bit louder if you want to. <laughs> yes, that's right. His kingdom is increasing. We was at a recent conference, some of us, um, in Milton Keynes, and Phil Wilthrew from King's Arms Church in Bedford, who's a, a prophet, um, spoke these words. I was des- desperately trying to get them all down, as, but I briefly got the, the main thing of this prophecy that he brought on that day. He says, great days are ahead for the church. There are great adventures for the people of God, but there will be huge challenges ahead. And he prophesied particularly over the next three years, there will be difficult things that will come uh, to the church. But just as Joseph was prepared by God and raised up to lead in a time of disaster, so we too would be raised up, prepared and able to lead in times of disaster out of the abundance that God has given to us, his church, because we are born to change. That prophecy really hit home for me. And I believe that is a great end times type prophecy. Yes, there will be trials, there will be difficulties, but the magnificent church of Jesus Christ is increasing and his kingdom will increase in the end times. Jesus' harvest will be like no other harvest. Unlike a natural harvest, one that sometimes fails, his harvest will never fail. It won't produce a poor result. It'll be a hundredfold. A full harvest of the redeemed of God. But here's the challenge for us. Jesus also said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that's the challenge for us, whether we're a teenager, whether we're middle-aged, whatever life stage we're at, whether we're old, Are we willing workers in God's harvest field? David spoke of God's people being willing in the day of battle. Are we willing to be prepared by God for greater things? Jesus spoke of the kingdom of heaven being like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is one of the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. The mustard seed, which is the tiniest of seeds, small as a pinhead, grows into a significant tree. Mustard seeds in Palestine grow somewhere somewhere between three and four meters high. That's about three times my height. Now, I know I'm not very high, but that's a pretty impressive tree from a tiny, tiny seed. So the kingdom of God started small. It started with one man in a back town called Nazareth, a village carpenter. The kingdom grew in his lifetime. It grew hugely after his death. It grew phenomenally after Pentecost. The Church of Jesus Christ now, in this day and age, is about two million people, probably, sorry, two billion people, probably over two billion people on this planet are now professing Christians. The Church of Jesus Christ is increasing. So that mustard seed is growing. The Church of God is not on the decline. There are more Christians alive now than ever in the history of the church. The church of Jesus Christ is increasing. 
Isaiah prophesied it, didn't he? Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Jesus was the first sower, and in this vision we see him return as the reaper for the ripened harvest here on earth. One final point. Jesus is not only the reaper, Jesus is not only the Lord of the harvest, but Jesus receives the reward of the harvest. He gains from the harvest that he gathers. He gains us, the redeemed. We are his inheritance. I find that amazing. Being a, a, a sinner that I am, now a saint, but I am the inheritance of Jesus. That is so humbling. And this is the point of harvest, that we, the redeemed, might be gathered to him, to live safely with him, to be his treasured possession, to be his reward for eternity. Jesus reaped the results of man's sin and selfishness by his death on the cross, but is returning as the Lord of the harvest and will reap and gather his people home to be his reward. Matthew 24 exhorts us, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Are you ready for the harvest when Jesus comes? If you're not in a personal relationship with Jesus yet, can I encourage you to start that journey today, to come home to him today? Can I encourage you to do that? You can come and speak to anyone uh, that was on the platform this morning. If you don't want to speak to anyone, we've got booklets at the back there you can just take as you leave. But would you consider a personal relationship with him, the one who died on the cross for you, the one that has made uh, a relationship with God possible for you? The language of heaven is love. And my prayer this morning is that we would rise to the challenge and be prepared in these days, but also that we would fall deeper in love with Jesus as he's been revealed to us in the book of Revelation. He really is beautiful. And that's how I want to finish our meeting this morning. We're going to sing a song if the band can come back. That Jesus is beautiful. He really is. We see these beautiful images of, of him uh, throughout the book of Revelation. And it causes us, I think, to fall in love with him more and more. He's a beautiful saviour. He's a beautiful king. He's a beautiful person. And we are built for relationship with him. And one day we'll see him face to face and be with him. Let's just pray together. We thank you that you indeed, Jesus, are the Lord of the harvest. Thank you that we are your reward. We find that just so amazing that we're your inheritance, that we're the ones that you came 
to win, to die for. You're the one that's going to harvest us back in safety to yourself. Would you prepare us for the days ahead? Would you prepare us for trials and persecutions? Would you prepare our hearts, Lord, that we uh, would be able to feed those in those times that are around us? That we would indeed be like those, um, like Joseph was in that, that day, prepared to, to minister to, to those around. Yeah, thank you for the reality of you reigning and ruling on the throne. We see you, Jesus, in all your beauty, and we worship you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You are beautiful. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.